It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors take down the pitiful Anthony Davis and LeBron James-less LA Lakers in Toronto on Wednesday night. We'll break down the win with my biggest takeaways. We'll look at the core four and how they're progressing. And we will talk about some interesting rotation stuff from Nick Nurse. Maybe keeping it simple is the way to go. We got the good, the bad, and the hmm, everything else all coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free top of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1297 of Locked on Raptors for Thursday, December the 8th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on all sorts of different platforms. So you can go and check out all my work over there on Twitter. The show is at Locked on Raptors as well. So you can find it there. Support the show also on your favorite YouTube, uh, sorry, podcast apps on audio, Spotify, Google, Apple, all the whole nine yards. We're also on YouTube as I just almost slipped uh, out of order. Uh, yeah, YouTube, go hit the big red subscribe button, help support the show. It's very much appreciated when you go ahead and do that as well. And today's show is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs who help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. Terms and conditions apply. More on them a little bit later on in the show. All right. On today's show, we are digging into a very easy, very business-like 126-113 win for the Raptors over a Lakers team that didn't have LeBron James or Anthony Davis. So really, 
what does it all mean? Probably not a whole lot, right? Uh, I think that's kind of the key takeaway here. It's nice to get a win that you should get. The Raptors are going to have a couple more of these games coming up against the Magic on the weekend. We saw this past weekend how crappy the Magic are. And look, man, take what you can get at this time. For a team that's really kind of going through it, these games against bad teams offer a bit of a canvas upon which to figure your crap out. And and I think that we have started to see that a little bit. Yes, the Celtics lost the second half against Boston. The third quarter, really, against Boston was a bummer and kind of derailed a bit of progress that we were seeing, you know, on the heels of the second half against the Nets. And, of course, the Magic game. It's just a Magic game. I know it's not exactly, like, a thrilling amount of progress to see against that team. But either way, you have to use these games for what they are. And it's a chance to kind of get right and get well. And I do think the Raptors... We're starting to do that a little bit here. We're seeing good performances from the core four. We'll talk about Fred Van Vliet in just a second here. But, like, those guys are the ones who are going to drive the bus for this team. And I have some thoughts on the way Nick Nurse used his rotation last night against the Lakers, which really is one of the only things I think you can glean from this game is, like, all right, how is Nick Nurse using his players? How is he approaching the strategy of it all? You know, th- there's not a whole lot to glean from this game against the team that shot uh, 21% from three, which is basically their season average at this point. Uh, You know, they had Russell Westbrook play 28 minutes, and that's not great when he was, like, their best player. Uh, Look, this is not a a game to be, like, thrilled about if you're the Raptors, but I do think there's some positive things to get into. So we will do that over the course of today's show. Off the top, I do want to get into the, the core four, and I think, you know, for these games, this is really the thing to watch. Ultimately, big picture... The Raptors are going to go as Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Scotty Barnes go. It's pretty obvious. They're the four best players on the team. They're three of the four most highly paid players on the team. It's pretty rudimentary. And I think you can kind of look at these games and just sort of see, all right, how are these guys gelling? How are they coming together? How is it all sort of piecing into one beautiful coalescing hole? And we should probably start with Fred Van Vliet, who, of course, is the guy who has been struggling the most of that group coming into this game. Against the Lakers, he, you know, I think it was 5 of 28 from three in his previous four four games didn't exactly bolster those numbers just went three of 12 from deep in this game but I do think we saw a better Fred Van Vliet of course he put up the points he uh, along with Pascal Siakam led the team with 25 points in this one eight of 20 five of eight on twos which uh, was nice to see some really good finishes um, you know nice little bits of English little scoop shots little reverses you know, that's the stuff that Fred Van Vliet kind of has to master if he's going to, um, you know, in any way uh, survive as a six-foot point guard trying to score around the bucket. And he did that really well against the Lakers. Should be said, the Lakers have zero rim protection. Absolutely none. Without Anthony Davis, they are toast. They didn't have Wenyan Gabriel as well, which you would think, hey, no Wenyan Great Gabriel. That's fine. That's not a problem. Uh, it is for the Lakers because their next big men in the line are uh, Thomas Bryant, who seems like a really cool guy, but uh, is not a very good defender at all and offers no resistance at the rim. And so, you know, again, take everything you saw from Fred Van Vliet with a bit of a grain of salt. The 3 of 12 from 3 is not amazing. Watching the game, it felt like he was better than 3 of 12 before looking at the numbers, but uh, the numbers don't lie. He really is, uh, is, is in a bit of a tailspin from 3 right now. As is, you know, OG Ananobi, as is Gary Trent Jr. 
you'd have to think that's going to come back at some point and the dam will break here. And I do think if you're sort of looking for signs that the dam is going to break, the fact that Fred looked a little bit more spry, he, you know, was kind of carving up the Lakers defense, which again, it's not an easy thing to do. It's like cutting through butter. Um, but, you know, you got to take what you can get. You got to look at the positive signs where they're available. And I do think we saw some good stuff from Fred in this one. You know, I don't know how long they'll be able to kind of sustain if Fred, OG, and Trent are not hitting their threes. It helps that Pascal's been hitting his. It helps that Scotty Barnes, you know, while he's at like 32% this year, uh, is a little bit modestly improved. But at this point, you know, you're not getting the shooting from Chris Boucher. You're not getting it from Thad Young. It's going to have to come from those three guys like it did basically all last year. And to me, if you're looking for reasons for optimism, Fred's shooting spell, he's never had a spell like this. He's never shot this poorly, this deeply into a season. It's probably going to turn here at some point. Just law of averages says it will. Maybe he doesn't get to 40%, but can he get back to 37 I think that's totally on the table. Um, and when that happens, the, the floodgates might open here, and the Raptors' offense might actually climb from being still 30th in the NBA in half-court uh, production, which is uh, really bad. Right below the Houston Rockets. Not where you want to be. Um, but yeah, Fred... It's, again, it's hard to have real full takeaways. It's just <laughs> they played a really horrible team and they beat the horrible team. That's, I guess, kind of all you got to build on. Let's go with Scotty Barnes, uh, the sort of next whip around the core four guys here. Um, I think Scotty looks really good. A and last night, you know, he's you know hammering the glass once again. He ends up with 17 boards, tying a career high, 13 points on 6 of 12 shooting. His true shooting, which for a second briefly flirted with falling below 50%, back up near 52%, which isn't amazing, but... It shows that he's kind of been on a nice little heater here the last four games or so. And he really, to me right now, is playing like he played after the All-Star break last year. He looks comfortable. I don't think there's a player on the team who's been a better, bigger benefactor of Pascal Siakam's return. You know, I'm pretty high still on Scotty Barnes eventually being the type of player you can run an offense through. Have him be one of your primary initiators, your primary initiator, whatever you want it to be. I feel like that's down the line for Scotty Barnes at some point here because of the way that he reads the floor, because of the fact that he's really strong and tall and can't, you know, can't be stopped from getting to his spots, all of that. But it's a lot to ask from him to do it every single time down the floor, which was kind of what the deal was when Pascal was out, when Fred was missing time. There was a lot on Scotty Barnes' plate, and I feel like it's just been simplified. It's now, instead of it being this big, messy jumble of a Thanksgiving plate with all sorts of stuff to have to sort of sort through, he's got like a Lunchable, a very like ample Lunchable, all nicely divided into little squares. Like, okay, I can do that, that, and that. It's not going to get all messy. Uh, it's maybe a bad analogy, but I kind of feel like it's just been simplified for Scotty since Pascal came back. He gets to you know, be the guy who benefits from the attention that Siakam sees. And he's he's a really, really good player. I don't know what to say, man. He, he He's obviously the, the perimeter defense continues to be a bit of a sore spot. The rim protection continues to be a thing I'm pretty excited about. We saw a couple of nice flourishes of it last night. No blocks for him, but I think he kind of offered a bit of resistance at the rim in a pretty nice way, as we've seen pretty regularly this season. And he just, again, he looks like he kind of is playing within the flow of the offense not forcing it, and Pascal is the beautiful luxury that allows him to not have to force it and still, you know, find success and find easy buckets and sort of garbage buckets and things like that. Um, and then we'll get to, in the next segment, the sort of the way that, you're the, that you can kind of use him with the second unit in a pretty exciting way as well. Beyond Scotty, 
OG, I mean, you know, he continues to kind of cut defensive player of the year promos. The first 90 seconds featured a steal and a dunk and then a block on Dennis Schroeder on the baseline. Uh, And then he kind of like, I don't know, shut it down for the night because he realized he had his mixtape pieces in or something. I don't know. Uh, You know, very good defensive night from OG once again, although it wasn't really necessary for it to have to be all that amazing defensively. They did a lot of zone in this game as well. So you don't get those sort of one-on-one individual flourishes, but I thought he was totally fine. And then Pascal... To kind of round out the look at the core four here, uh, I mean, what what else can you say about this dude? He's walking into his averages of 25, 9, and 7 every single night. Did it again last night, 25, 10, and 7, 10 of 20 from the field. He gets to the free throw line, probably not as much as he should have. He got five attempts in this game. You know, the number of times he kind of got into the teeth of the defense and caused havoc, maybe could have gotten there like 10 times over the course of the game. He was a plus 22, best on the team. Um, you know, it's just he is an incredible, incredible basketball player, and he's having just an amazing effect on the way the Raptors play. When he's on the floor, the Raptors are excellent. They're like a plus 12.3 net rating when he's on the floor so far this season. It's, you know, 92nd percentile per cleaning the glass among all guys with their on-court impact. That is like superstar stuff. He's amazing. And, uh, you know, he's just, he's walking into these numbers. It, it's, it's truly thrilling. Um, but those are kind of the the takes and the thoughts on the core four. You know, again, weird game against the Lakers. Not a ton to pull from it, but... Those four guys, as they go, the team's going to go, and it's nice to see all of them kind of in some way, shape, or form have a good game last night. You know, the shooting from OG, just two of eight from three, not what you want to see. Obviously, Fred continues to have uh, his ups and downs from outside as well, but some positive signs there, which, again, in a game against a team this bad is really all you can hope for because you're not going to get much in terms of, like, tangible, you know, proof of concept or anything like that against a team so crummy. All right, let's now... Turn our attention in a second here to some rotation stuff. My actual sort of strategic takeaway from this game. We'll do it in just one second, and we'll get into why I think Nick Nurse could really benefit from just like keeping it simple and maybe pulling a little bit from the book of Dwayne Casey. We'll get to that in just one second here. But first, I do want to tell you about our dear friends over at LinkedIn Jobs, the place that you need to be going if you are trying to hire for your business. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your job faster and for free. Super easy. You just go on a LinkedIn jobs. You make your job posting. You put the little purple hiring frame around your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are in fact hiring. And all of a sudden the applications will start pouring in and you can filter them with simple tools like screening questions to make it focused on the candidates with just the right skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview. You don't got to interview people who don't match exactly what you're looking for. You can find the right people fast and target those interviews. You're not wasting time. It's why businesses a small small businesses that is rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. 
Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day, digging into the takeaways from the Toronto Raptors win over the LA Lakers again. A get well win, a nice thing to see. They, you know, it got a little hairy in the second quarter, I guess, when the zone defense for the Lakers was giving the Raptors some trouble. But it turns out the Raptors, the Lakers offense sucks too. And so it was uh, pretty easy to weather for the Raptors. And, you know, I feel like even the Lakers numbers in this game, it was not a 13 point game. This was a game in which the Raptors waxed the Lakers and were pretty much in control the entire way. Uh, you know, 35 free throw attempts, 32 of which go in for the Lakers certainly helped bolster their numbers a little bit. I don't know how Thomas Bryant got 10 free throws. I mean, I know how it's Christian Coloco who had six fouls in 22 minutes, but still uh, <laughs> overall um, just a pretty easy professional business like win from which it's hard to pull a ton, but I do think the rotation patterns for Nick Nurse in this one are something worth spending some time on because I kind of think we saw in this game a bit of a blueprint for how Nick Nurse can use his lineups going forward. And it doesn't have to be complex. Keep it simple, stupid. I'm not calling Nick Nurse stupid. I'm just saying the phrase. Um, But honestly, like keeping it simple feels like maybe exactly what this team needs right now. It feels as, as though all year long, we've talked about the very limited sort of amount of uh, lineup data we have for this team. All these lineups have played like five minutes together. There's no continuity. There's no sort of across the board. All right. You know, we know that these guys are going to play together in this spot. These guys are going to play together in this spot. It's been kind of all over the place. Injury is obviously a big part of that, but I don't think Nick Nurse has done himself any favors by, you know, all right, well, let's just try Delano Banton here for a bit. Let's just try Ken Birch for four minutes in this game and see what happens, and probably not a whole lot. Let's let's try these weird things. I feel like the team is set up right now to the where it doesn't need to be all that complex. And so we saw last night, they go with the starting five once again with Christian Coloco at center. That's fine for now. It seems to be working just fine. They're working around the fouling and, and Coloco's issues. And honestly, if Coloco puts himself out of the game a few minutes in, they're usually pretty equipped to fill in that spot with a Thad Young or a Chris Boucher. So that's not a huge deal. But, you know, they've they've rolled this lineup now three games in a row. They seem to be married to Gary Trent Jr. coming off the bench. Uh, we know Chris Boucher is going to come off the bench. And you kind of have these sort of tiers of players on the team that you can kind of cobble together and make some pretty sensible, logical rotations. And they went with like an eight-man rotation last night. They have for the last couple of games. And I think that's kind of maybe what Nick Nurse should be doing. Think back to like the the, the halcyon days of the 2021 season. How often was it just an eight-man rotation Nick Nurse was rolling out and getting some good results with? I feel like maybe that's the way to go here. Obviously, the concern is, you know, overtaxing your guys, but the way the Raptors are set up, the way that they have the ability to stagger their core four guys, you shouldn't need to stretch any of these guys beyond 35, 36 minutes on a given night if you do it right. And if you don't jump at the first you know moment to bring Fred Van Vliet back into a game early, and you don't have to bring Fred Van Vliet back into a game early if the lineups when he's out are not hemorrhaging points, which... 
let's get into it now. The way Nick Nurse did it last night and the way that I hope he does it going forward is he staggered Pascal Siakam with Fred Van Vliet. That makes a ton of sense. Those two guys, great synergy with one another. They've played together forever. The pick and roll those two guys can run is fantastic. You throw a Gary Trent Jr. and a Chris Boucher and a Thad Young between them, that's a pretty damn good lineup right there. So far this season, we haven't really seen the results for that pairing. Um, per clean the glass, Siakam plus Fred without Scotty Barnes or OG on the floor. Uh, just 60, I have the numbers here, 68 possessions. They're a minus 3.1 net rating in that time. So like literally nothing in terms of uh, like less than a game worth of, of sample. It's not a whole lot there. Uh, but last year, we know this works. There's proof of concept for the Siakam-Fred duo without Scotty or OG on the floor. Last year, 455 possessions per cleaning the glass, a plus 13.2 net rating, 98th percentile among two-man duos. The offense scored 123 points per 100 possessions. It was really, really excellent with those two guys out there with three non-OG or Scotty players. And that's what we saw last night. And, you know, the, the first quarter, they go on a nice bit of a run. Second quarter, they kind of hemorrhage it a little bit with Scotty and OG in there. And I guess that's sort of the limiting factor. If you're going to have Pascal and Fred staggered together, it means OG and Scotty are going to be staggered together, which we saw last night. It was so beautifully simple in the first half. Like, it was just so, uh, like, very easy on the brain to comprehend the lineup choices. Um, but Scotty and OG, your concern there is, all right, can the offense hang enough? Is it good enough? And the numbers suggest that it's just good enough. Right now... The Scotty and OG pairing without Fred and Siakam on the floor. A plus 4.8 per 100 possessions. That's good. And 250 possessions, a pretty decent sample already. The offense is not great, uh, but the offensive boards help to sort of pad the stats. That It goes through the roof. They're like a 35% offensive rebounding rate. And they're in the 98th percentile defensively, meaning there are 2% of two-man duos who are better, uh, you know, sort of driving defense. With, you know, obviously, lots of noise here. No Siakam, no Fred. So it's very specific sets of lineups. But still, in that, in those minutes... They have 103.2 uh, defensive rating. They're really, really good at defense. They're great at offensive rebounding. They just get by on offense, and they have a plus 4.8 net rating as a result. You can survive those OG Scotty minutes without having to pull Fred Van Vliet from the bench to come fix things most of the time. Last night, the shooting against the zone was really rough, and they brought Fred in a little early in a couple spots just to get some shooting in there. Didn't work, obviously, because uh, <laughs> he shot 3 of 12, but... That's the idea of bringing Fred back in there against the zone, I would presume. Um, but either way, that OG Scotty duo, the second quarter sort of lull notwithstanding, like that is a combo that can carry lineups for the Raptors. And it just feels like you sprinkle the same three bench guys in, Thad, Boucher, and uh, Trent in between those guys, and those are effective lineups as well. Obviously, Coloco is going to factor in as like the eighth guy and nominal sort of traditional uh, ceremonial Luis Scola-like starter. That's fine. But Otto Porter comes back, and maybe you start to cycle him in in place of Coloco in these in this rotation. You still have that eight-man group. You can you know cycle in and toggle in who the eighth guy is depending on the matchup. Maybe Wancho gets in there sometimes for some shooting. Maybe it's it's Porter. Obviously, if he's healthy, Coloco right now is the guy. But to me, like. You don't got to go much deeper than that. I think we've kind of seen Delano Banton's not quite ready. He can't really break down a defense right now. He does a lot of good, but he also does a lot that sort of pulls away. Malachi Flynn, it's probably not happening. Wancho is fine, you know, as a nice sort of fringe rotation guy, you know, fill in based on matchups or health or whatever it might be. He's certainly in the mix for that eighth spot on a given night. 
But like Ken Birch, I'm sorry, it's just not happening with him this year. He's had some nice little flourishes of, you know, two minutes of reasonable rim protection and maybe a single bucket. But like, that's not really going to do a whole lot for you over the course of a full game. And I don't think he's someone you want to be playing 20 minutes a game. So for me, eight men, I I think you can get by with it. And you can give, I think the most important thing here is opportunity to build continuity and chemistry and get some lineups together that could be core lineups for you in the postseason, either as transitional lineups or as heavy minutes lineups, whatever it might be. You get that opportunity to just kind of build some continuity, get the steam train rolling, as it were, by playing similar lineups across the game. And look, Nick Nurse is a better coach than Dwayne Casey is, okay? Nick Nurse is fantastic. He won a title. He's a great, great coach. But One thing he doesn't do that Dwayne Casey did to great effect is lean on in-season continuity and really just sort of believe in knowing what the sub-patterns are going to be, knowing it's like a human nature thing. If you know when you're coming into a game, if you know what your role is going to be every single given night, if you know who you're going to be playing with, you're probably going to be a little bit more comfortable. You're probably going to play more at ease. You're going to play better. And that's what Dwayne Casey did for years, racking up 50 win seasons every year playing the same nine guys in the same exact rotation pattern at the exact same time of games for 82 games a year for years. And it won him a lot of games. And look, do I think that's a great way to sort of build, you know, the diversity and the sort of, um, you know, the multiplicity you need for the postseason? Not necessarily, but right now, this Raptors team needs some sort of continuity. They need to just play and get some reps together, get some lineups with actual data so you kind of know, all right, that one's going to work. That one's not going to work. We don't know that yet. There's nothing. There's just nothing to go on when it comes to the Raptors lineup data right now to tell us anything about what combinations work, which combinations aren't going to work. And, you know, just in terms of getting the team to sort of, you know, get back on a string defensively and have the offense reach as much flow as you can have it achieve within the constructs of their personnel, having just a set rotation every night, regular sub patterns, the same eight guys getting to play together, feel the ball with one another. To me, that feels like a pretty reasonable course to chart here if you're Nick Nurse. And look, it's probably not going to happen. Obviously, Nick Nurse is a guy who likes to throw stuff at the wall, and that's why we love him. But right now, the eight-man, very simplistic rotation he rolled in the first half last night, to me, feels like something to strive for. And they have the horses, they have the players on hand to do it without overtaxing anybody and also getting their bench guys who they want to be playing good minutes. Like Gary Trent Jr., important player, you can play him 24 minutes off the bench and sprinkle him in. You can limit the minutes for Fred Van Vliet. You can limit the minutes for everybody. If you just give all these guys a little bit of extra time, you know, in the five through eight range on the roster, you know, yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, five through eight. Uh, The top four guys play their 35, 36 minutes and you can just stagger in your other good bench players around them. I know it's not that simple. Foul trouble comes in, health comes in, availability comes in. It's never that simple. But in a perfect world, I think the eight-man rotation is kind of the way to go here for the Raptors. And that's just sort of my only real substantive takeaway from the game last night against the Lakers. Um, but yeah, well, let's let's see if that continues. It probably won't. I would almost bet that it will not uh, going into the game against the Magic on Friday. Um, but you know, that said, against good teams, Nick Nurse does like to keep it short. He does like to roll eight guys. Maybe he just needs to figure out who those, like, who those eight guys are. I kind of think we know by now, but 
We'll see. Uh, it, it will be, again, this is going to change and not going to be a thing, <laughs> I'm sure, as of Friday. But for now, a guy can dream. Coming up in just a sec, we're going to dig into the good, the bad, and the hmm from the game against the Lakers, with the good actually being a special mention uh, sent in by a listener. So that's going to come up in just one second here. Before we do that, however, uh, just a reminder, Locked On Sports Today is your daily whip around the sports world with Pete Bukowski, 22 minutes giving you everything you need to know that happened in the world of sports last night so you can be the conversation starter at your water cooler. Go and check it out on your favorite podcast platforms and on YouTube, Locked On Sports Today. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's round out today's show with uh, a couple things. We got the good, the bad, and the hmm, but the good is a bit of a special thing I want to uh, give a nod to today. Craig Edmonds is a listener of the podcast, often a question asker, uh, been a longtime supporter of the show. We love Craig. Craig is a basketball coach in Newfoundland, a uh, high school basketball coach. He is traveling this week or next week with his team to Kitchener-Waterloo for a very good cause. It is the 8th annual Jacob Ranton Memorial Basketball Tournament and online auction. Jacob Ranton was a basketball player in the Waterloo area who died by suicide eight years ago, and the tournament is put on by his parents uh, in his honor, and it raises funds for the Waterloo Region Suicide Prevention Council, the WRSPC. Uh, Really wonderful cause. Great sort of event. They've raised over $320,000 over the course of the last eight years for the WRSCP, and it's an online auction uh, that you can go and take part in online if you're not going to be at the tournament. Uh, so I will put the link for it in the description here. But lots of great stuff available at this auction. All of it, again, goes to the Waterloo Region Suicide Prevention Council. Um, you know, tough times after the pandemic. Uh, lots of people struggling with their mental health. It's a very worthy, valid cause at the moment. And lots of stuff that you can go and put your money in for. You got bike seats. You got backpacks. You got tickets for all sorts of different sports, including... Toronto Raptors game, so you can go in that auction there. There's also a Scotty Barnes jersey available uh, with a box of uh, basketball cards. Uh, you got all sorts of stuff for you to go and peruse over there on the uh, auction site. So go. I will again drop the link in the in the in the bio. But thank you to Craig for alerting me to this wonderful cause, and uh, best of luck to Doug Ranton and those putting on the Jacob Ranton Memorial Basketball Tournament in Kitchener Waterloo next week. Uh, again, thanks so much. And if you have something like that, you ever want to send in, if you're a listener of the show, you get some sort of basketball related, you know, charity cause or anything like that. Always happy to promote them on the show. So please send them on in. All right, let's get to the, hmm, or sorry, the bad from this game. And for me, it's just the offense against the zone continues to be 
a bit of a struggle. Uh, you know, last night, the, the the second quarter almost got a little hairy there, right? I think it got to like five points. The Raptors were comfortably out in front, had the 11-0 start to the game. Seemed like it was going to be in cruise control. And the offense goes dry for five and a half minutes between field goals. And thankfully, the Lakers had no luck against the Raptors zone. And the Lakers offense is terrible top to bottom because they went themselves like nine minutes without scoring as well. So it didn't hurt the Raptors. But, you know, that stretch was a little bit hairy, a little bit dicey. And a lot of the same things we've seen in the past with the way the Raptors work against the zone it's just, they got to figure it out, man. They have to, A, get their guys back in their regular shooting form. OG, Fred, Gary Trent Jr. You just can't have those three guys around 33%. It's just not going to work. Teams are going to zone your ass up every single time. It's brutal. And I, I, I just, I don't know the answer other than those guys hitting their shots more effectively. Beyond that, uh, you know, I, I think Pascal Siakam does as good a job as he can trying to maneuver the zone. You know, Thad Young does a good job screening the top of the zone to create a little bit of havoc, find little gaps for, for Siakam to punch. That's great. Uh, I think Scotty Barnes can be a real use in the zone as well as a guy who flashes to the nail, hangs out in the dunker spot, gets offensive rebounds against the sort of faulty zone um, rebounding that, you know, you're going to typically see when you go zone. And, and, you know, there are ways around it, but ultimately, like, they just got to hit their damn shots, man. And, you know, this is something against the Lakers that doesn't burn you. Against most other teams, you go five and a half minutes with a field goal, you're screwed. You're you're playing catch up again, and that's just not going to cut it. So yeah, the zone has to be an area of focus, and I, I just it, it's just got to be the shooting has to be better. It has to start going in. Otherwise, they're going to be prone to getting owned by the zone. Those rhymes all over the place. Uh, you know, for the for the rest of the season. My hmm from this game to round it out has to do with Thad Young, who is working on a bit of a trend now. If you recall, I want to say it was Eric Kareen who uh, dubbed what the Mark Gasol officially was, which was a game in which I think Gasol had fewer points than rebounds and assists. Uh, over, I'm pretty sure that's what it was, or like fewer than five shots and more than five rebounds and assists. I can't remember the exact stipulations, but it's a cool old guy doing a weird, fun stat line. And Thad Young is beginning to start a trend of his own. He's now had two games this season, playing 18 or more minutes, scoring zero points, and being a positive on the floor, um, which maybe that's too broad or too specific. I don't really know. But to me, that's a fad, baby. You play regular minutes, you don't score, and you're a positive. That is the fad young. We've seen it twice now, once against the Rockets, back when he kind of reintroduced himself into the lineup. And last night against the Lakers, uh, zero points for Thad Young. He was a plus eight. He had, uh, what did he have here? Four assists, three steals, two rebounds. Mwah. That's a Thad Young, baby. Uh, so yeah, let's, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll, we'll count the Thad Youngs that uh, take place over the course of the season. That's a fun way to, uh, you know, just uh, appreciate what Thad Young does. No points, still effective, just the way he rolls. Um, with that, we're going to round it there. Thanks so much for tuning into the show today. We'll be back again tomorrow. I'm going to try to book a guest. I'm not exactly sure whom that'll be just yet, but stay tuned. If I can't get a guest, I'll likely go mailbag for it. So keep an eye out for the prompt. If, in fact, I have failed in my guest search, you will find out on Twitter when I put out the promo or the promotion to put in your questions. I'll also do one on YouTube if that does come to pass. Either way, thank you so much for tuning in as Always, you can support the show by going to YouTube and hitting the big red subscribe button, by going to your favorite podcast app and subscribing, rating, reviewing, all that good stuff. Once again, the link for the Jacob Rant Memorial Basketball Tournament Silent Auction is in the 
description of the show. So please go and peruse there and put in a bid on some of the awesome, amazing stuff they have, all for a wonderful cause, the Waterloo Region's Suicide Prevention Council. And uh, with that, we will round out the show. Again, go make your second listen of the day, Locked On Sports Today with Pete Bukowski. It's wonderful. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.